Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your all-new, all-different X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam, what a day. Woo! Man, we got some good stuff to talk about today. What happened to you today? <laughs> What's so exciting? Um, I mean, look, honestly, it's just kind of a random Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> I'm not... I, I went to work today. That's about it. All right. Uh but but I think we're going to probably talk about some uh, some comics that are coming out. Oh yes, or uh, that have come out. Yes, we're going to talk about some big. It's an X Men update. Adam update. I thought we were done with those. The Age of Apocalypse will never die, and neither shall its counter age. The Age of X Men. Okay, what happened now? Uh. It ends this week as you're as you guys are listening to it. The <sighs> last the last issue comes out on yeah. Wednesday. Yep, it's been fun. That I I, I don't have a real update. The, the oh, last, the, I thought the last we were issues get, I've read have been great. I thought we were going to we get can, like an honest God update, like you know that that our Lord and Savior Nate Gray was like going to make it to House of X or something. I don't know. I tell you what, if that <laughs> Jesus looking dude shows up on Mars with all of the X Men. <laughs> And says, hey, Johnny Hicks, I'm here now. You got to write me. <laughs> I would be here for it. <laughs> hey, you just never know. Uh, you just never know. I don't know what we're getting with house and powers and symbols and charts. And it's going to be wild. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. I'm excited. That starts next week as you're listening to this. Right. Uh, but for now, I think we just want to celebrate the age of X-Men. And I want to ask you, Adam. What's- yes. What was your favorite moment during the age of the X-Man? Uh, of the entire... Wow. Of um, all of it. Of all of the age of the X-Man. Uh, I went into Age of X-Men and ten, like really anticipating that um, Next Gen was going to be my fave. Um, that or Extremists, which they were sort of like my runners-up. Um, in terms of my favorite books, but I gotta say Prisoner X um, really stole stole the show for me. And there is this one panel of of uh, Bishop just saying, "My man, my man." <laughs> oh, that, it's so good. It, that it, I and, saw it, and it was like, "Oh, this is my new favorite panel." Yeah, thank uh, you. That's Irvin. probably my Nina. my number one, and the number two is probably Leah Williams just letting Jubilee absolutely just cut loose and issue five of extremists. How about you? What was your fave? Uh, if we're going to go with runner ups, my runner up is maggot feeding a hamburger to his, <laughs> to his slugs. That's pretty Maggot's great. a domestic terrorist here. Uh, uh, I keep forgetting that. Yeah. That part's not as great, but the, uh, <laughs> no, I love it. I his, love it. His presence is great. Uh, but no, the number one best thing, uh, was Jubilee, Blowing stuff up with her fireworks, walking up to Richter and uh, North Star and Iceman, who are just having some beers on the roof. 
It's saying, hey guys, uh, I just woke up and remembered that I have a kid that they took from me. So I'm just going to burn this place to the ground. You guys want to have a riot? <laughs> yeah. And they do. And it's very good. So, so Leah, Leah, good job on that. Yes. Vita, great job. Uh, everybody that worked on the event. I'm excited to see how it wraps up. But uh, it was fun. I, and I, I hope they had fun making it. Yeah. You know, Zach, Lonnie, Ed, Vita, Shannon, uh, Leah, Tim. Is that everyone? I think that's everyone. And then that's not counting the amazing artists who there are just a absolute ton of. They just haven't come on to our podcast program and talked about their things. Uh, but they've been they've all been just fabulous. Mm -hmm. uh, everyone's been fabulous. I'm going to miss this event. I really am. And I wanted to use this opportunity on this show that I do pay for and I, you know, put out there uh, with my good co-host, Adam, uh, to say, guys, it was good. And if you didn't read it, you're a dumb dumb. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anybody who's saying it doesn't count needs to, uh, check out some of the covers that are coming out for the next couple of months and see very romantic apocalypse. Um. Oh yeah. The best thing, <laughs> the best thing is that apocalypse is getting busy now in the 616 continuity. Mm -hmm. And may have been for quite some time. We're going to find out what that was all about. Look, he's, he knows the power of eroticism. Uh, <laughs> Never mind. Never mind. Leah, you got bumped down to number two. It's that one. <laughs> it's when Apocalypse is talking about Charles Xavier's eroticism. Ooh, that's a moment we never thought we'd see in uh, continuity, I did we? I keep forgetting they, they let that happen. Mm. It's beautiful. It's a powerful moment. Uh <laughs> I, I could make an interesting transition to our first story from that. Please but... do. Please do. <laughs> well, no, I have to hear it. I have to hear you play this one out. Oh, I was going to say, you know, we we get this stuff in uh, <laughs> about, you know, Charles Xavier getting busy, Apocalypse getting busy. And uh, you know who else likes to get busy? Um, <laughs> is it, is it, uh, uh, let's play 20 questions. Okay. Is it a comic book character? Uh, well, yes. Is it from the Hellboy universe? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is it Abe Sapien? No. See, I thought we were going to be talking about the shape of water today, but we are not. No, we are going to talk about the very complicated bloodline of uh, Mr. Piotr Rasputin. Talk about Colossus. You talk about X-Men Colossus bloodlines? I am. Shiny boy. Uh, who happens to be related to the actual Grigory Rasputin, uh, sometime Hellboy villain. So somebody requested this, right? The person who did request this is Patreon supporter Zach Strong. Now, Zach, as well as having an incredibly strong name in general, not only just because Strong's in it, but also because Zach is my name and it's a good name, and Zach also spells it right. So, Zach, you, you're great. Real, real great with you. He's also great because he went over to patreon.com slash Xavier Files, tossed a couple of dollars into our coffers, and uh, got an entire episode based around Colossus. Colossus. I am Colossus. Ah, well, if you are, then did you know that if all of your relatives die, you essentially become Rasputin? <laughs> yeah, let's talk about this story right here in this one. In this, in this, the comic book that did get written by David Hind with... Uh, Art by Jorge Lucas, uh, Tom Chu doing the colors. Oh my, yeah. So this is this is right after uh, P 
Peter Rasputin comes back from being dead. Right. And astonishing, right? Yeah, this is coming out of that. Here's what I kind of think. Okay. I kind of think David Hine didn't know much. He knew that uh, Colossus was coming back. And I think he got the scripted page where Colossus says, Steel? No, I am not made of steel. I am made of rage! (laughs) And just said, oh, I I can run with that. (laughs) I can do... I could do five issues of that. Because uh, he's a very angry metal boy in this. Oh, yeah. He has nightmares and just bursts through the brick walls of the Xavier Mansion into the front lawn. It's fun. So, yeah. Uh, this is a... Colossus hears about some stuff that's going on in Russia, his homeland. Yep. Uh, and goes to visit. He doesn't want to visit because all of his family's dead, mm-hmm. for the most part. Yep. And he finds out that more and more murders are being committed and they're all connected to his family and all these bodies are just burnt up. So he goes to his investigative reporter cousin, uh, Larissa. Mm-hmm. Larissa Mishkanovka. Yes. Whatever her last name is. And uh, finds out that there's a pale man that's that's killing all of them and she doesn't know why and she's trying to investigate. And Adam, can you describe what the pale man's costume looks like? Uh, it's it's just a black cloak with sort of like a, a theater mask with no nothing on it. He's what do they like, call him? Like a yeah, he's the uh, I don't the pale man. They call him. And do you know do you know what happens when he takes off his mask? <laughs> well, folks, uh, we should mention that this is a sequel to the further adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix because out who... of nowhere is it a sequel to that? <laughs> who's it, who's third underneath? issue hits and it turns because <laughs> who's under there, but our good friend, Mr. Sinister. The beauty of it is Mr. Sinister's just wearing a mask that looks like his face without the diamond. Yep. That's pretty much it. And he's just walking it, around torturing people. Can I, can I tell you something, Adam? Yeah. They got me. They got me. I didn't know he was in this one. Well, and he takes off the mask and I drop my iPad and I'm like, yes, so good. I I got to say, I actually, <laughs> when I started reading this, I thought we were going into some more, maybe even political territory. There is um, a reference with sort of drawn over photographs of um, Russian editors who in real life, uh, Paul Klebnikov, Valerie Ivanov, and Alexei Sidorov have all been killed uh, in real life by either ties, you know, by investigating the Russian mafia, um, you know, the Russian government coming after them and either shooting them to death, stabbing them to death. And so I didn't know where we were going with this in the first issue. The fact that by the time we get to issue three, we're in a recap of further adventures um, with the origins of Sinister and Apocalypse. And then we get into this crazy storyline of Colossus potentially, you know, being the reincarnated Rasputin, uh, either him or Mikhail, who's back as well. Yeah, Mikhail comes back. Uh, and I don't really understand how. Mm. Wave, waving of hands brings him back from uh, Kirby Dimension, like... He's sort of in nowhere land and... Oh, it happened... He came back in uh, the 12 and then disappeared Ah, again, I guess. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, But that's pretty much how this goes down. Uh, You know, his family keeps dying. There is um, sort of a a loony relative who 
likes to chase rabbits and set himself on fire. <laughs> and yeah. a lot of this is flashback. So it's, it's weird. Uh, we talk about how it kind of changes in issue three, mm-hmm. but the plot also just kind of comes to a standstill in issue three. Mm. And it just sits there for a couple more issues. Cause all that happens is it turns out that Gregory Rasputin uh, did spread his seed far and deep. And that, you know, a little bit of, you know, the Mad Monk Rasputin, who you can watch the documentary Anastasia from the DreamWorks Animation Corporation uh, to learn more about. Uh, he has a little piece of his soul in every member of his family. Sure. and <laughs> Sure. So by Sinister going through, by the way, Sinister was best friends with Rasputin. Makes sense. <laughs> forgot, forgot to mention that. That tracks. Yeah. Uh if Sinister goes around killing all the other Rasputins, uh, then Rasputin will become whole into uh, Colossus, I guess, or Mikhail. Yeah, it's a Highlander situation, and uh, we come down to the fact that Colossus has been this rage monster for these four issues and uh, is about to drop a giant boulder on Mikhail's head, which probably would be to the benefit of the entire X-Universe. Um, but within a couple of pages in issue five, the two of them decide to just be friends and... Instead of fighting, Mikhail kind of just self-exiles himself um, so that Colossus doesn't have to become Rasputin. Yeah, Mikhail kind of says, you know, I've lived in voids of nothingness for most of my adult life now, Colossus. So we could just avoid this if I go back to doing that. I kind of prefer that to people at this point. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's pretty straightforward about the fact that he's insane. Um and then he's a madman. So he's like, I'm going to go back to like tie dye color land. And uh, you just, you know, go back to painting Frankenstein monsters and jumping out of walls. <laughs> and then it just kind of ends. Yeah. Like Sinister, Sinister goes away. Uh, Colossus is the last Rasputin, uh, which isn't even true because later he has an uncle. <laughs> he has a different uncle. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know how concerned this is with the actual bloodline of, uh, <laughs> of Colossus. It's a, it's a silly idea, but honestly, I didn't hate this. Uh, I think it has a I little en- bit of merit. I enjoyed this comic. Mm-hmm. I know it's not a good comic. It's problematic, especially because, you know, like we said, a huge chunk of it is told in flashback and through narration blocks. So, you know, it like it, it just stops. That's yeah. the thing. They yep. tell half a story and then they're like, okay, but it all works out. Mm-hmm. So I think there's some downsides to it, but it's an enjoyable read. It's got some really good Chris Bachelot covers. Uh, absolutely. Um, and I, I even like the art um, in, in the actual book. I think it's, it does the, you know, it's kind of doing a Mignola type thing in certain parts um, or a, trying to do kind of like a Kevin Nolan thing and mm-hmm. you know, it, it serves the story. I just don't think it's, it's not that great. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right here. Uh, so yeah, we have how many stories are on this list now? 249. Wow. So this is 250. This will be 250. Quite the uh, honor. The first story on our list is dark Phoenix saga. The 50th is welcome to Genosha. The 100th is uh, the quest for Nightcrawler from Amazing X-Men. The 150th is Spider-Man 8 through 12 Perceptions. Uh, The 200th is the Jim Lee Mojo story from X-Men Volume 2. 
and 249 is the Draco. Uh, I would say if we're if we're jumping in 50s, because uh, Further Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix is at like 68. It's not as good as that. Oh no, well below that. Uh, I know it's better than the Jim Lee stuff. I know it's worse than the Amazing X Men stuff. So that gives us a round of a hundred. But I don't know how I feel about it compared to Spider Man Perceptions. Oh, you were going to put it that high. Interesting. I was going to put it above the Jim Lee Mojo story. Um, no, wait, you're going to put this, <laughs> hold on. You're going to put this above Sinister Stairs from Ultimate X-Men? I may have misjudged this list. Uh, come on for a second here. We got some, we got some stuff on. underneath Wish- there. That this is not as good at. Like, I'm looking down at like 209, Excalibur London Burning. I feel like that's a a much more equitable uh, comparison. You know what I mean? That's a good point. Uh, Because right above that is Curse of the Mutants, which I think I feel about this story the way you feel about Curse of the Mutants. Yeah. Well, I didn't hate this. I just, you can tell that there's sort of like a, I don't know. I like it better than Judgment War. Do you like yeah. it? Well, you don't like Curse of the Mutants, so we, we could go higher I hate than Curse that. of the Mutants, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not as good as number 202, which is X-Force 29 to 30. Adam X the Extreme is back. It is not. Adam. Uh, Adam. Yeah. You know, when Adam X the Extreme is back, things have never been deadlier. <laughs> we, we, may, we may have an Adam X sighting today. <laughs> Okay. Did I wait. lose you? No, wait. What are you talking about? I got lost. Does, does, I got... Doesn't Adam X show up in uh, the last... Oh, dang, he about? does. Never mind. Shutting up. <laughs> shutting up. Yep. 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 Forgot about that. Okay. Forgot about that good content that it's we're going to get. one panel, which I'm not sure how he even showed up there. But um, I you, would... I'm going to say we'll that to this it. would probably make a good 203. I think this is probably better than the first appearance of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. I would actually say... Right below that, right above Cable the Long Way. Okay. Which is the Cable Genosha uh, story with the Sugared Man. Yeah, I'm down with that. That's great. Okay. Uh, Then that makes X-Men Colossus Bloodline our new 204. Nice. That is nice. Uh, The next story on our list is a weird one. Well, uh, I I mean, yes. (laughs) It sure is. And... uh, I think you and I are going to split on this one, though, because I I kind of liked this one. Um, but I, I, I know you're I, not a fan of Andesenti, so why don't we tell people I, what oh, this hold is? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's jump back for one second. <laughs> one, yes. I was awkward in front of Andesenti once at a con. Yes. It was very uncomfortable for me. Yes. she She radiates a very strong, intimidating energy. I can see that. Yeah, she does. Great woman. Very funny. Uh, scared me. Uh, <laughs> two. <laughs> to be fair, I was once scared at a con by Greg Land, so it's fine. Understandable. I had, I had some weird. I had some weird hangups for a while. I'm over it now. Uh, except for when I was at C two E two, I was scared of everybody. Uh, still, but that's fine. Uh, back to this story. Anna Senti writes it. Rick Leonardi draws it, and I do like me some Rick Leonardi. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. This is a story that ran through Marvel Comics Presents 10 through 17. And uh, it's called 
God's Country, like the U2 song, which I'm sure is what they were talking about here. <laughs> Going, what? in and... God's Country. Wow. Hey, getting a little Bono there. This was originally supposed to be a graphic novel, wasn't it? And then it got kind of delayed, and then they printed it here in, in chunks. That was my understanding. I don't think so. No? There was, there was a at one point, a Colossus miniseries where he goes back to Russia announced. Uh, okay, okay. In the mid to late eighties, mm-hmm. uh, but it, but that was with a different creative team. I think Rick Leonardi was still drawing it, but I believe Col- I believe Claremont was going to write that one. Got it. Uh, this is this is me trying to remember things from a Marvel age that I glanced at at one point. So take that with a grain of salt. There's there's there is truth to everything I'm saying, but <laughs> all of it together may not be the truth. Uh, well, here we have uh, Leonardi uh, drawing. Nocenti and uh, Cyclops. I mean, Colossus is sort of, you know, he's just traveling the American West on foot and he gets himself embroiled in um, a very, <laughs> how do I even describe the, the conflict that takes place in this book? Well, the first conflict is Colossus being mad at pornography for existing. Yes. Well, the, the through line on a lot of this is what, what is American perception of their own freedom of speech? If I, if I was going to boil it down to like, here's the thesis statement of like what mm-hmm. Anna Senti wants us to be thinking about, which we've seen in her other work. Um, we, we are going to hit, you know, not us, but like this story does hit on a lot of the key Anna Senti, um, you know, things that she likes to talk about. So we're going to get a little thing about the environment. We're going to get stuff about guns. We're going to get stuff about media representation, like in new mutant summer special. That's a huge part of this. Um, but it is a very odd story, uh, that begins, like you say, with uh, Colossus basically destroying a guy's newsstand, uh, when after criticizing the, uh, the, the magazines, the, the adult magazines that he has on display, uh, the guy starts, you know, basically, kind of being a racist towards Piotr. Yeah, he keeps saying, go back to Russia and whatever. And it's it's a weird thing. So I want to talk about the good here. Mm-hmm. I think I think this story really does, you know, tap into and really talk to the cultural perception of like the late 80s you know, Reagan America, uh, where everyone, or not everyone, but a lot of people were getting kind of fed up with you know, we keep saying we're better than these people, but like, there's a lot of corruption and a lot of crappy stuff that's happening here too. So what's, what's uh, so good about it? Like I literally unintentionally listened to uh, Queensryche's uh, seminal album, Operation Mind Crime, mm. uh, which is a late eighties rock opera mm-hmm. uh, that's incredibly good and still holds up. Uh, but about a guy who's disillusioned in Reagan's America and then tries to start a revolution and kills a bunch of people. It's that it has some elements. Uh, it's very good though. And I'm feeling all of those exact same, like I can hear those lyrics as I'm reading this comic. Like I can hear him screaming, you know, I used to trust the media to tell me the truth, but now I see the payouts everywhere. I look, who do you trust when everyone's a crook? Yeah. I mean, we're post Nixonian here. We're post Vietnam. So there is this element of distrust in the government um, and it's made manifest in this story by this group um, called the Cold Warriors, which are basically like Reaver type characters. They're they're sort of people, ex-soldiers who have been made into part robots um, mm-hmm. 
they're you know trying to i guess just randomly assassinate somebody in the woods and uh, it happens near the picnic of the central family that colossus is interacting with in this story um and you know all of the characters as nascenti does often in, in her stories are representing different political viewpoints they're having arguments they're um you know they're almost archetypes of you know different different places on the political spectrum uh well i i I think i think i really agree with you there when you're saying archetypes mm -hmm. because for good or for ill that's what these characters truly are in this story they are they are representing one singular viewpoint and they aren't really three i wouldn't call them three or two dimensional characters they're, they all have one element to them, and they hammer that at every opportunity. And sometimes that works really well. Like, I think with uh, Bruce, the father in here, it works well that he's a like a jingoistic uh, ex-military guy uh, who's pushing all this stuff. Where you have uh, Roxanne's wife, the wife, her father is a, uh, like, he's an ex-military guy. He's someone who saw what was going on in, like, Vietnam and saw all this stuff and got, like, embittered by it saying, look, man, you keep talking about how great the government is, but look how much you're suffering because of it. Stop being stop being so naive. Yeah, he's critical of VA care. Um, you know, he's critical of, of his, uh, you know, political acceptance of Reagan. Um, so I think you're absolutely right. Each one of the characters is sort of, uh, you know, on a, a symbolic track more than anything else. And Colossus even, it doesn't necessarily feel like Colossus. Um, some of his language is not, you know, I, I don't think we would ever hear Colossus say darn, even in his thoughts. Um, he just, he feels a little bit too nascenti and not enough of, you know, everybody's favorite Russian X-Man. Um, but, yeah, I'd agree with that. But he's put into this situation as an opportunity to sort of say, hey, well, you know, I know what it's like in my home country and I know what the benefits of this form of tyranny are. Do you recognize that kind of tyranny in your own country? Um, so he then becomes another archetype in, as part of this story. And I think the I think it doesn't work as well because it's a. It's very much Nascenti saying, okay, uh, capitalism versus communism. Let's, you know, let's really get into the benefits and the downside of each. Mm -hmm. The problem is the example is late 80s uh, America, which isn't, you know, wasn't perfect by any stretch versus late 80s crumbling USSR. Sure. Uh, which the USSR is not your perfect example of that being done well. Uh, and, you know, the deep entrenched corruption and, you know, the political assassinations, all the stuff that was going on there and is still literally informing our day-to-day -day lives in our modern political landscape. Mm -hmm. uh, even, even, if, even if you can't root for the USA as the heroes on one side, and I totally get that, it's hard to see the USSR as a equal in terms of oh they're good and they're bad are you know at the same level as the u.s is good and the bad well, it's very difficult for me as a guy here in 2019 to get that but i i don't necessarily think that that's her her point i i think that she's playing colossus with a certain level of naivete 
um, to mm-hmm. say that, you know, just like Bruce, he has this sort of blind allegiance to where he comes from and what it represents that's not necessarily accurate. Um, and, at, you know, at the end, a lot of this is blamed on, as it was in Summer Special, this idea of how the media drives the narrative. Um, at the end of it, we, we realized that this group, this Cold Warriors group, is sort of like rogue CIA um, that started as a government agency and sort of became their own thing. And, you know, the question is, will this actually get reported? Will it, you know, we, we never know. These characters never come back, which as a side note, I just want to say that this is a total missed opportunity. Um, there's a character in this story called Number Six. Later in uh, Nascenti's Daredevil run, there is uh, a great character named Number Nine, who, no, you know, has only had a couple of appearances after that, um, which is a similar concept, but a little bit different. Completely unrelated, though. No, no, no relation between Number Six and Number Nine, which uh, kind of blows my mind. But um, you could see Nascenti sort of playing around with certain things. And the fact that we're having this discourse about it I think showcases that it it has a lot to say. Um, I think it's more interesting than something like Summer Special, um, which was much more visually driven, even though Leonardi's uh, art here is fantastic. And I'd agree with you. If there's anything this comic does well is Nesenti does get her points across. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're ham-fisted, but you can have a very clear understanding of what Nesenti feels and what she's Maybe not what she feels, but what she's trying to get across and the message that she's trying to tell with this story. And I think that's something that's definitely uh, worth, you know, worthwhile. That's something that's super valid. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also good is Rick Leonardi's art. Uh, Rick Leonardi draws puffy people who I love. (laughs) Yeah, his his, uh, Colossus is great. He's, He's a perfect artist for this story. Um, he's just a little kid colossus looks like a baby and i love him <laughs> yeah you look like he could squeeze his cheeks even when he's oh uh... my gosh he's got the squeeziest cheeks <laughs> um where would you rank this because uh, i think we've we've talked about nascenti a couple times i think the highest she's gone on our list is 112 which is the web of spider-man annual 2 which uh features that's Warlock. not as good as that not as good as that. I mean, that was a very hyper-focused uh, animal rights story. So, uh, and, and it but has... that also had Warlock turning into Godzilla. Yeah, so. and Art Adams art. So um, I don't think this is as good as that. But this certainly, um, I think, is a, a stronger piece than uh, New Mutant Summer Special, which, mm-hmm. where is that at this point? That keeps moving around uh 198 198 okay so that that's a lot lower on our list um do you like this better than bloodlines where we where we just were yeah yeah it's better than bloodlines I think. okay because I, I think it has more to say and it does what it does better okay uh i don't think it's better than like at 158 we have champions number 12 which is that cyclops story mm-hmm. i don't think it's better than that okay i think that's fair um you know, this is a, a, I don't even, I even hesitate to call it like a, a Colossus centric story because it's, it's using Colossus to tell a, a different debate, um, a, a different narrative here. So it's difficult to compare it to other things. Cause um, it's not even, it's not even like a conventional comic story. Oh no. Nascenti uses this to get a message across using the trappings of superhero comics and I think that's really admirable, and I think she achieved that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but maybe not achieved it as well as it could have possibly been done. So I think it's 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 very interesting if it's not great. Uh, is it here's what I'd say. Is it better or worse than the special edition X-Men number one backup story where Kitty and Ileana tore the mansion? I think that's a good place like to look is is sort of in the 160s, 170s. Because um, I'm just mm-hmm. looking at some of the stuff that's there, and I, I think this is more successful than some of the things that we might have in the 170s. Um, but... At 165, we have Uncanny X-Men 179, which is where Kitty Pride almost gets married to Caliban. Yep, and below that, we have that that Cannonball versus Gladiator and the space stuff, which I, I thought was really fun. Um, but I think this may have more substance than that. So I think I would put it in between those two stories. Oh, so you would put it as our new number 166 between uh, What Happened to Kitty and Cannonball Fights Gladiator? That's what I would do. Where, where would you like to go? I think that's fair. All right. I don't, I don't have strong feelings one way or another. <laughs> this, is, this is just a weird story to talk about. It's, it's interesting enough that you should probably read it. I th- like, yeah, if you're a Nascenti fan... Find it and read this. Yeah, if you're into Nascenti, this is essential stuff. Definitely check it out. If you like Rickley and Artie, you got to check this out. Um, you know, and if you just want to sort of get an idea of what the what the discourse was at this time, I, I think you could do a lot worse. If you really want an idea, go listen to Queen's Rikes Landmark Fourth album, <laughs> Operation Mindcrime. It holds up, guys. It rules. I was thinking all weekend, man. I bet I could make an Operation Mindcrime comic. Oh wait, I don't know how comics work. <laughs> like, no, hold on. Get Tim Seeley on the phone. Say, hey, Mr. Guy who does all the stuff for heavy metal comics, uh, can can we get the Queensryche license? Can we, can we get Mind Crime? Because it's dope. <laughs> Man, I love Operation Mind Crime. It's like my dad's favorite album, and I don't love it as much as him, but it's, it has been passed down onto me. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, folks, now you know what you're listening to this week. Uh, what, are we, um, what are we? Adam. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to tell everyone that there's an underground revolution working overtime. In <laughs> Operation Mindcrime. There's a job for you in the system, boy, with nothing to sign. You've, you've got this, like, set to memory. This is great. I've listened to this album a lot. Clearly. It's good. No, this is good. Uh, well, you mentioned uh, your, your buddy, uh, Greg Land, before. Um, does this next story make you a little nervous? <laughs> Greg does scare me. Uh, <laughs> the one time I, the one time we met, I was again too afraid to have him sign a copy of a comic book uh, that he did draw. Uh, I was also scared to have Fraction sign it, but he Fraction was a champ, and I was braver. I was a braver adult. Uh, this is this is when I'm in my early twenties, by the way. Like I was married at the time. I if I didn't have a kid, I had one on the way. So like I should have been past you, this. You were figuring out the con lifestyle there, buddy. You're, you're, I didn't know what to do. You're ready to go now. Uh, oh, did I tell you who was who was supposed to be the other guest at that uh, at that show that didn't show up that couldn't make it? No, who? The two headlining guests at that uh, convention that year mm-hmm. were Greg Land and the Rob. <laughs> the Rob. And nothing against either of those gentlemen. That's a wild headliners. Like, that's a one-two punch of the internet's going to make fun of you. Uh-oh. Poor the Rob. Poor the Rob. <laughs> the Rob makes money 
for talking for a minute and making people's dreams come true. Sounds great. The Rob's doing just fine. No, I know he is. Uh, anyway, Greg Land does write or draw this story with Kieran Gillen. Uh, it's Uncanny X Men five forty to five forty three, part of the crossover. Fear itself, as opposed to just fear. This is fear itself. Adam, have you? How familiar are you with fear itself? Oh man, I don't know. The only thing I know about this is that like there's this cool sort of Tron looking juggernaut dude, and they have to try and take him out. It's uh, he's well, that's cool. that's Kurth, Breaker of Stone. Uh, <laughs> I get that's the, who I, that is. I get the idea that there's a couple of these type characters wreaking havoc. Yes. Okay. So here's a fear itself uh, thing. The serpent, who is Cole Borson, the self-proclaimed true all-father of Asgard. Not uh, the head of Serpent Society? No, but we're getting there. (laughs) Uh, He wakes up. You know the serpent from Norse mythology, right? The guy who's going to fight Thor to a standstill and Thor's going to kill him, but Thor's going to take seven steps and then he dies. Okay. Following you so far. Anyway, uh, that becomes relevant. Thor does die in the story. He gets better. Uh, Anyway, the serpent teams up with Nazis and takes over America, Secret Empire style. Uh, And then he also sends like seven hammers down. Uh, And Hulk, Juggernaut, Atuma, the Absorbing Man, Titana, the Thing, and Grey Gargoyle turn into the Worthy, who are the Serpent's Thors. Uh, It's Kurth, Breaker of Stone, Necrod, Breaker of Ocean, Skurn, Breaker of Man, Mach, Breaker of Faith, Giratoth, Breaker of Wills, Angir, Breaker of Souls, and Noel, the Breaker of Worlds. Uh, And then they all fight, and everyone has to stop them and save the day. Sounds about right. Yeah, it's not a great uh, crossover, I don't think. (laughs) Well, this is kind of fun. We get a couple issues where it's just basically Cyclops making endless plans to get Juggernaut's helmet off. Uh, Uh, His name is Kurth Breaker of Stone, (laughs) but I'll allow you to go forward. I am sorry. Kurth Breaker of Stone's helmet off. And uh, it culminates with uh, uh, the through line here with Colossus becoming Juggernaut. It does. It does. So in my in my previous days, I was on a certain website, and my flair for that website was Juggernaut Colossus, because I did love him. Mm. So I have a deep affection for what happens here. But why Colossus becomes Juggernaut is, I think, a very interesting thing. Because there's a couple of things that happen in continuity right before this that deeply inform the decisions that get made here. This is very much a consequence happened in several other books, and it's flowing into this book, and like, a lot of things have happened. Uh, so, first off, Kitty Pride just came back from space recently. Yep. And she finally became corporeal, uh, which she hadn't for a while. So, she couldn't talk. She couldn't do anything. She could just be a ghost. So, she was already feeling weird about that. And then, uh, Ileana Rasputin Magic had recently come back to life. And she did some stuff. Uh, you've not read the Zeb Wells New Mutants, have you? I have not, but it... it definitely strikes me that they are very uncomfortable around this version of Ileana. Yeah, magic unleashes uh, the Elder Gods and then has Legion wish them out of existence. Hmm. Uh, She doesn't tell anyone of this plan and she almost destroys the world because she was like, I was like 50% sure that this was going to work. Yeah, it was going to destroy the the world otherwise. (laughs) So no one's comfortable with that. She did get her soul back, so she's happy. Uh, But because of that, everyone's upset. And everyone's very scared. 
So, uh, yeah, that's where Colossus's head is at. And in this story, you know, Cyclops is throwing a bunch of X-Men at the Curthbreaker of Stone problem to fix it. And his, what is it, plan 17, I think? <laughs> yes. I'm trying to forget, remember which exact plan this was. But this plan involves sending Ileana, uh, Kitty, and Colossus uh, to talk to Sidorak. Uh, you know Sidorak, right? The source of the Juggernauts. The one, uh, and, the o- the one and only. The gem of Sidorak. He has some crimson bands. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go to Sidorak and they say, hey, hey. Your avatar of destruction's over there, right? You call him Juggernaut? Yeah. Well, he's worshipping, uh, you know, the serpent now. He's worshipping Cole Borson. And, you know, Sidorak says, well, that won't do. <laughs> I don't like that at all. I am a jealous god. And he's like, you want to be Juggernaut? And Magic's like, okay. And Colossus is like, no, I will sacrifice myself. And so he does. Yeah, Kitty's not too happy about that. But that's basically what happens here. We get uh, the two of them sort of uh, going on this, what is it? (laughs) How fast do they end up going? 600 miles per hour. Uh, Juggernaut versus uh, the the person of stone. What is the guy? Kurth. His name's name's Kurth, Breaker of Stone. Yes. Yes, that guy. Uh, Until Colossus uh, stops him. Um, And I think there's a subplot here where the mayor of San Francisco is uh, planning to sort of take utopia military style while they're occupied. Maybe she's keeping the option, keeping the option open. Um, So there's some really great uh, Cyclops moments here over the course of the couple issues um, with him negotiating with her. And uh, it's, it's great. I don't, I don't know. The art is very questionable in parts, but um, I, I enjoy Gillen's writing here quite a bit. I think this is okay. You, you know, you know our long-standing Greg Land uh, theory about maybe he just shouldn't draw humans. Yes, yes. This story allows him to draw what's essentially robot juggernaut fighting Colossus juggernaut, uh, which those things are legally humans, but in a very real way, not. So I think that stuff works really well. Yeah, I will say though that you're um you've had this theory about Greg that he should like draw transformers and there was something in here that did worry me a little bit which was that uh you know as it is a Greg Land book every lady has to be like super sexy, right? Like that that's undeniable. So one of the things that worried me was that he even draws danger in sort of a like hip to the side sexy time pose and i was like this is true what are you doing greg it's danger <laughs> she's a robot <laughs> who usually just kind of stands straight up and down you don't have to draw her like that um but yes you're not wrong but that, there's there's a sassy danger but that is greg's style so um okay i'm getting off track here but th- there are some fun moments here and i you know i like when gillen writes the x-men i, I think it's good stuff uh, there's, I think there's a lot of good stuff to be found in here. Mm-hmm. Like it's, this is kind of a light story, but there's a lot of fun to it. Uh, cause Coloss- Colossus is just one of Cyclops's many plans and he throws a lot of plans, a lot of plans at, uh, Kurth Breaker of Stone. Yeah. He has that great line, uh, <laughs> you know, where, you know, the mayor asks, well, what's plan B? And he was like, well, that kind of indicates there's only 26 plans. <laughs> <laughs> and there are more than 26 plans one of which includes throwing where the heck he came from adam x the extreme at at uh at kurth 
Yeah, he was living on Utopia at the time. Okay, so that, that uh, substantiated beforehand. But I was surprised to see that uh, they, they brought out Adam X to set uh, Kurt's blood on fire. The problem with that is because Kurt Breaker of Stone is also the unstoppable juggernaut and nothing can move him. He just keeps going, but also he's on fire. <laughs> right, right. Which is a bad plan. It's a great cameo. You also get some weird stuff. I had forgotten there's a weird Emma Frost through line in some of this where Emma Frost starts of, starts this out dressing like a cowgirl for no reason, but I love it. Right. Yep. Right. It's very good. Uh, and then she uh, she gets knocked into the infirmary uh, in like the first encounter and Hope is there and Emma Frost thinks about and almost does smother Hope. Yeah, uh, it's only thanks to uh, a very flirtatious Namor that um, <laughs> that, he, that she does not go through with that particular action. And they only make out a little bit. Right, yes. Oh, it's an, there is, that is an interesting thing that's happening in the, in, the, uh, in, the, in the B plot. Yeah, so there's a lot, there's a lot to like about this. I... You know, we keep talking about, well, there's also this plot. There's also this plot. There's also this plot. There are like three or four subplots going around this, but I think they all work, which is really tough to pull off. I I don't know. I I think it's fun comics. I think it's absolutely bizarre that it is, uh, you know, obviously this stems into another volume of Uncanny, but it is kind Mm -hmm. of like bizarre that this series is about to end the issue after this storyline. Um, it right. does not feel like a, a series ending arc by any means. No, it's, uh, Gillen, Gillen had said in an interview I read about him, uh, that when he got uncanny, they had, you know, a little bit planned out and they said, so you've got an arc, then you have fear itself coming up. So if you want to tie into that, that'd be great. Then you have another arc, uh, and then schism's going to happen. And then you have another arc, and then AVX is going to happen. And then we don't know if you're going to be on the book after that. We're still kind of figuring out the line. (laughs) Oh, man. So much fun being a Marvel writer. He didn't have much to work off there, but I think Gillen... Gillen's... There's very few people I'd want to see come back to a book that they've already done. Mm -hmm. Like, I I think especially, like, a flagship thing like X-Men... You have your run, you do what you can with it, and, you know, there's never, there's almost never a time when coming back makes it better. Mm-hmm. Gillen, I think, is the exception to that. I, I would love to see Gillen get an X book again and really get to do his thing with it. I'd look forward to that. I, I think he's really interesting. Um, what he does with the characters, he definitely has a great handle on uh, on the key x-men and he does a great job juggling plot lines he does now uh how do you feel about this story in general i mean it's fine i think it's fun uh i think the art is the the part that it it has some cool stuff like i love uh you know old town road uh emma you know there little nas x-men there are some fun things here but uh as a whole i mean you know it's it's kind of light I definitely think it's better than 172 on our list, which is Uncanny X-Men 530 to 535 quarantine. Yeah, I think that's a great Uh, comparison. I mean, this, you know, similar time period, um, you know, similar. I mean, it's it's like five issues before. Yeah, exactly. But this is better than that arc. So I I think it's better than 172. I do. 
Uh, it's not better than 137, which is Juggernaut's back in town. Oh, no. No, 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 no. It is definitely uh, Which not. is Uncanny 194. No, and there's stuff in between here that I don't think it's as good as. Um... Sure, but that was the Juggernaut. Ooh, here's a good one. Here's a good yeah. one. Is it better or worse than Ultimate Spider-Man 66 and 67 Jump the Shark, where they switch bodies? I don't think it is. Really? I don't know. Like I was going to say it's better than that. Yeah. But worse than... And maybe worse than Fatal Attractions. I don't know, man. This one's tough. All right, well, because let, after... let's do this. 143 is the first appearance of the Juggernaut. Is this better or worse than that? That's a great question. It's literally on par. Yeah. It's it's as even as a story that was done 50 years later could be. So does the does the original, like, win out because it came first? Yeah. Uh... It is. Uh, I'm, I think the original would win out because Jack Kirby is better than Greg Land. I agree. Um, I don't think that's a controversial statement, no, I don't by the either. way. I don't either. Uh, I, I think it's better. I think this is I, I think this is legitimately more successful than uh, the X-Statics issue where uh, they bring back uh, Princess, Di. Uh, Princess Diana. Yeah, I know she's a real character, uh, but it's Princess Di. Yeah, I think this is probably better than that aesthetics arc, and I could be persuaded to put it above Jump the Shark. Um, I don't. Th- Let's go above Jump the Shark and below the New yeah, Mutants. That was going to be uh, what aftermath. I was say. Yep, I think that's a good spot for it. So this will be one forty-five. Mm-hmm. Uncanny X Men Fear itself. Also, read this one. I actually, kind of read all the stories in this, even if they aren't good. They're worth reading. Oh yeah, definitely. There's, these are fun. Like. Yeah, this is this was a good one. So I think Zach Strong did a really good job uh, picking picking this entire list. Uh, is, so Zach, that, thank you so Zach, much. Zach, it's the end of the episode. You you could just admit that it's uh, an alias, and we can move on. <laughs> I gave myself money to talk about these stories. Are you kidding? No, one, one, one. If I want to talk about stories, I'll work them into an episode. We've done that so many times. Uh, Number two. I don't know. I, I'm not Zach Strong. Zach Strong seems like a nice guy, and I want to give him the credit that he deserves for going on over to Patreon.com, supporting this show, because uh, it's a show that he loves. It's a show that he looks forward to listening to every X-Men Monday. Hashtag, 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 like and subscribe. Uh, if you want to be like him and get an episode handcrafted, handcrafted around one of your suggestions, you can go over to that Patreon.com, throw us some money. If you support at higher levels, do you get more episodes pretty much that's that's what it is you get more episodes <laughs> of your thing and that's neat uh i can say that if you get us up to the 300 dollar a month mark which we are approaching me in front of the show Luz bianca will do an entire episode and in fact several episodes about the x-men anime uh i did i don't think i mentioned this since i did watch an anime uh recently and it's the first anime i've watched on Ever, I think, if you don't count the Pokemans one. Yeah, I mean, uh, you mean like the anime. Yeah, it was Neon Genesis Evangelion. Mm-hmm. And I've decided I'm not an anime guy. <laughs> that is make like, or break. Congratulations man. to me. It's 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 not my... It's I'm glad other people like it. It's not my my deal. Uh, uh, I, have the, I have a similar issue in that I saw that before I saw a lot of other stuff. And not a lot of the other stuff is compared to me. So... I, I share your opinion there. Yeah, I here's the but thing. But for different reasons. I like 
I like very big robots, so that was good. Mm. I'm fine with shows about depression because that's just what every TV show is now. Sure. Uh, I'm not fine with how it just stops being a narrative at the end. Uh, all right, well, this, is, this could be a whole nother we episode. We can't do this. We can't, we can't do, this. do this. This has been anime people <laughs> arguing for 20 years, and I'm not that invested. No, let's, let's, let's keep going here. Uh, anyway, uh, so, you know, support the show if you want. You can get this terrible garbage that we're talking about and get more of it. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Xavier Files and go over to my website, uh, XavierFiles.com. Uh, that's where we got stuff and things. Adam, please save me from this train wreck of a <laughs> of an outro I'm doing. You did a great job. If you're on Netflix, I got I just finished uh, the German show Dark season two. Uh, check that out. If you guys like time travel stories, it's so good. Anyway, uh, I'm on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. You guys can find new pages of Bish and Jubes across time conundrum over at adamreck.tumblr.com. Um, I've also got patreon.com slash adamreck if you are interested in getting art in your inbox on the daily. And I seem to have just within the last week been getting a lot of commissions for um, uh, profile uh, illustrations for Twitter. So if that's something you're interested in, please let me know. I've I've got a, a nice list of people that I'm going to be working on within the next couple of week, weeks, but I could add you to that list. So uh, hit me up. Yeah, guys, it's very good. And if you want to know just how good it is, give it a few days. <laughs> yes, there's a surprise one on uh, its way. Yeah, uh, beyond that, uh, next week is, in fact, the start of the Jonathan Hickman era of House of X and Powers of Ten. And we're celebrating that we're gonna, by talking about the most important character in anything that he's shown, uh, Bill the Lobster. So, <laughs> oh wait, before we, before we go, I have, I have a House of X theories time. Ooh, okay. One, one quick thing. Yeah. And this is more for you, Adam. And anyone who wants to know what I think might be happening with House of X or some of the themes or some of the weird things that might be going on, mm. go watch Annihilation. It's on Hulu. Uh, oh, my God. That's like my... F- Adam, Dude, you... Adam, they talk about Hox genes. Dude, you... They talk about H-O-X genes. Zach, you do know that that's like one of my favorite movies and one of my favorite... The Southern Reach trilogy is one of my favorite collections of books, right? Like... I've not I've not read those books. I did watch that movie this weekend, and I was like, uh, "Oh, dude, Jonathan has watched this." Uh, I'm pretty yes, sure. Yes, and I also have confirmation that uh, Zach and Lonnie were also very inspired by Annihilation for their Apocalypse X Men Black story. So go back and read. Oh, that I again. need to reread that. Yep, that's all on Unlimited. Yes. Oh, I'm going to do that after yes. this. I'm doing that next. But guys, seriously, if you have not seen Annihilation or you have not read the Southern Reach trilogy, that is your plan within the next week. I I must have watched Annihilation like ten times since it came out. I I love it so much. It's it's like for me, it's one of the perfect movies. I, I love it. Anyway, we've we're just keep going off on recommendations. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we're we're your new media podcast, <laughs> and that's nice. Uh, but until then, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!